Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross uh, that we may see and believe. So our text from Mark chapter 15. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it is on Good Friday, the day of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that the foolishness, the foolishness of that crucifixion, the foolishness of that Christ is of that cross is on full display. You remember that expression, the foolishness of the cross. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for the word of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now the idea there in 1 Corinthians was how God or Heavenly Father could be accomplishing anything, anything with a crucifixion, or in other words, with an execution. For us, 2,000 years later, the crucifixion of Christ is the crucifixion. It's a Christian thing, a Christian event. It's the heart of the proclamation of the gospel. Christ suffers and dies so that we, we might rise and live both now and in eternity. Christ suffers and dies for the sins for which we should suffer and die. Christ suffers and dies so that all suffering and death ultimately is brought to an end in him. But what if, what if Christ had not been crucified but hung, hung on a scaffold? What if Christ had been electrocuted in an electric chair? What if he had been shot by a firing squad or lethally injected? In other words, what if Christ had not been crucified but executed using some sort of other method, some more modern method with which we're familiar? Would we then finally understand the foolishness of the cross? If a preacher would proclaim after such an execution that God was working in that execution to redeem mankind from sin and thus reestablish fellowship with us, the form of execution would stand in our way, wouldn't it? That scaffolding, that electric chair, that firing squad, how could God possibly be working so profoundly in such a ghastly event? For the Jews, the crucifixion was indeed a stumbling block, but not because of the means of execution. This crucifixion was a stumbling block for the Jews because the Messiah, the Christ for whom they awaited in their minds, would not allow himself to be crucified by the authorities power he had come to overthrow. Thus the chiding, the chiding as Christ hung on the cross. Let the Christ, the 
King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Of course, that was hypocrisy on their part. Utter hypocrisy. For the very reason that Christ was being executed, the very reason that Christ had been sentenced to death and was hanging on the cross was because of a sneaking suspicion Sneaking suspicion on the part of the chief priests, the Pharisees, and the scribes, most probably, that Jesus was, in fact, the very Christ who was prophesied in the Old Testament. So the visit of Nicodemus, right, to Jesus at night, secretly. Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Nicodemus, a Pharisee. Nicodemus, who said... We know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs you do unless God is with him. So Christ did in fact come down off the cross. It wouldn't change a thing. It wouldn't change a thing for the rulers of the Jews or the Pharisees. For it hadn't changed a thing that Christ had made the blind see. It hadn't changed a thing that Jesus had fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. It had not even changed a thing when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead right outside of Jerusalem, right before the Passover. But that's the way people are, right? It's the way we are. Conceived and born defective, conceived and born in sin hypocrites of us all. And the fact that we're born so born spiritually defective, not perfect, not holy, means that we can end up doing some very troubling things, very troubling things in our lives. And, and one of the things that we can do in our sin is not believe something to be true simply because we don't want it to be true. Yes, yes, I know, after so many episodes of Columbo and reading a glog of Hardy Boys mysteries and watching a host of conspiratorial movies and paying attention to the nightly news for the last 50 years, I'd be the first to admit that things are often not as they seem. What appears to be true so often is not. But that does not mean that there are times, many times, where what appears to be true actually is true. And our not wanting it to be true does not change that fact. Commonly known, for example, is that World War II came to an end in the Pacific when Japan surrendered on August 15, 1945. Not so commonly known is the date that the last Japanese soldier surrendered. That date, the date of that surrender, was March 9th, 1974. Turns out that Hirao Unada, a lieutenant in the Japanese army, had held out in the Philippine jungle for 29 years 29 years after World War II ended. Why? He was unwilling to accept that Japan had surrendered. And being unwilling to accept it, he lived his life accordingly. What had driven Onada's unwillingness? 
most probably pride, pride and fear. And I suppose we could speculate that the same could be said about the rulers of the Jews and Pharisees. They too had pride, pride in who they were, pride in their social position, pride in their accomplishments and power and authority. And that's our problem as well, isn't it? I mean, when it comes to Jesus, yes, we can and do come to him and confess our sins and in confessing our sins receive the forgiveness of sins which he earned for us on the cross by means of his innocent suffering and death as the anointed one of God, as the Christ. But are we frightened or perhaps held back by a little pride to move to move closer, to take a step closer to the Christ, to embrace the foolishness of the cross? Or, Or are we tempted and do we fall to the temptation to be more like the rulers of the Jews and Pharisees? And that is, if Jesus, our thinking, will just do something, do something in this world that shows his power, shows his authority, then we would be more willing to step aside, to lay aside our pride and abandon our fear and acknowledge him to be, as the Apostle Peter called him on Pentecost, both Christ and Lord, or even more powerfully still, our God and our Lord. Here, however, we would simply be as hypocritical as the rulers of the Jews and Pharisees for the pride, the fear that would keep Christ at arm's length from us. We'll do the same even if Christ were, so to speak, to come down off the cross in our lives. No, that's not how it works. How it works is contrition, sorrow for our sin. Repentance, the desire for forgiveness, all wrapped up in faith. Faith which sees the only foolishness of the cross being our own. Our own foolishness which placed Christ there. The fact that our sins had to be forgiven in this way. By the sacrifice of the perfect and holy Son of God for us by crucifixion. We must leave be for what it is. The ultimate demonstration the wondrous love of our Father in heaven for us, and the sacrifice of his Son, the willing sacrifice of his Son for us. It's only when the cross of Christ becomes that for us can we set aside our pride and our fear and in humility embrace Jesus of Nazareth as the Christ, as our Lord, as our God. And then, of course, Jesus, Jesus is no longer simply a religious symbol hanging on two pieces of wood suspended on a chain from the rearview mirror of our car. But Jesus is our King. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Master. Jesus is our Good Shepherd and even our Brother who's taken up residency in our hearts and established his kingdom there. And then what happens? Well, our own lives then become foolish, foolishness. They become foolishness. 
foolishness to the world as what we say and do conforms more to the sayings and doings of Christ than to the world. And that involves thoughts and doings and actions which the world simply does not understand. Thoughts, doings, and actions that often look like we ourselves are stuck to a cross, suffering and dying. Well, if you want us to be interested in you, so the world. If you want us to be interested in you, then lay aside your cross. Lay aside giving up what you have given up to follow Christ and come be part of our world. Live in our world. Conquer in our world. If you do that, so the world. If you do that, well, we might just believe not only in you, but in that Savior of yours as well. Well, that's not going to happen. Following the dictates of the world for the world and laying aside the cross that we ourselves bear as Christians in this world, the world will not begin to follow us or to follow Christ. For the world has no interest in bearing a cross, only fleeing a cross, fleeing each and every cross it encounters. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe is what was said to our Savior from sin and death as he hung on the cross. But it is precisely because Jesus, the Christ, the King of Israel, did not come down off the cross that he truly is our Savior. Amen. Now may the peace which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Let us rise for prayer.